You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. We're going to have now several different guests coming on to the show over the next couple of weeks that I already know about, which is funny because now we've hit the off season and now everybody wants to, everybody's got time. Right. Everybody's got the ability to talk to us now, which is great. You know what I'm saying? Like coming up in a little bit here on the program, we got David Marin. He is the scoreboard trivia guy for the White Sox. He also goes under the handle at SoxNerd on Twitter. And he, he just comes up with the most insane trivia questions and, and he's the guy that puts the thing up there like you know so and so is you know such and such for such and such uh, against this guy when the rain is coming in from the west and the sun is setting uh, a little bit at a 45 degree angle uh, he's more likely to have a home run I mean this is like this is what the guy does he finds really odd stats now is this this is just the scoreboard this isn't like socks math or any of the stuff that you no, see on tv no this okay. is the guy that's doing the thing while they're at while they're at, at bat and okay I, i'm going to ask him basically at some point during it i want to know when was the best stat that he ever put up there hmm. that paid off for him and which was the worst stat that he that that he that he put up there what qualifies that, as best stat and worst stat? well like, what uh, do you first mean of all, by i'm that? pretty sure that there's things that he's done before where he's like i can't believe i put that stat up there like, like, imagine if he put something up there like, you know, he goes, so-and-so for the other team has 12 walk-off home runs in his career, and the guy hits a walk-off right after he oh, puts so, it up. Oh, so, okay, so like an omen. Where, he's, right. where he puts that up there. Gotcha, and, like, best gotcha. that would be, for example, predicting, essentially, something that's going to happen. Like, so-and-so hits, like, spectacularly well against this relief pitcher and basically owns him, like, and then the White Sox walk off. Like Steve Stone does on a regular basis. Right, but he comes up with that, and he puts it up on the scoreboard. Because when you put it up on the scoreboard, it's really there for all of time, if you think about it, like in the biggest <laughs> moments. I'm sure his stat that was up there when Pesednik hits the home run in Game 2 of the World Series, I want to ask him about that. Because <laughs> that, that stat, I'm sure, is somewhere on you know DVD in everybody's house. And I wonder what his stat was. Was it just like a regular stat, or what is it like, you know, Scott Pesenic doesn't has hit home runs unless Scott, he faces Brad Lidge? Scott Pesenic has hit one home run all season, and it just so happened to be off Brad Lidge. Yeah. He didn't hit anything that year. Remember? He had nothing. He had no regular season ones because they didn't play Lidge. I thought it, he hit no. one. He had hit a home run off of Lidge before when he was with the Brewers. Oh, that's what it was. He okay. hit Lidge really well when he was with the Brewers. And then he hit a home run in the, in the series against the Red Sox. But in the regular season... He had zero home runs, and That's then he right. hits that, That's and then right. he hits the walk off in game two. But he had owned Lidge, so I'm wondering whether or not did he know? Did he did that? Did he have a really good staff for Scotty Pods right when that happened or not? You know, I mean these are, these are the questions that I have. So I, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. But going back to what I was saying, now everybody wants to kind of hang out on the show. Uh, Ron Kittle is committed next week's show. It's a commitment. He's on the show. It's confirmed through the White Sox. I've gotten multiple confirmation emails. His schedule is now free. And I've been told as long as we don't basically insult Ron Kittle and and do like a Homer Simpson where we drive across the White Sox bridge and throw a, a, a match behind us and burn it wow. during the interview. You know what I'm saying? Like as long as I don't ask him something like really horrible, 
we should have many more guests this offseason from Chris, the White Sox. please, please don't ask him what kind of underwear he wears. <laughs> I know you have a thing for Kitty. Okay, I know you have a thing for Ron. I'm not asking what kind of underwear. It's really weird you've what gotta, kind of underwear gotta, he wears. You've got to keep your... I mean, asking whether or not they're soft or rough should be okay. You've got you to you keep your man crush at bay, okay? I'm so excited that he's coming on. I, I, I'm sitting here trying to come up with, like, lists of questions and, like, what do I want to ask him and... You know, I don't want to miss this opportunity. No. And then the other thing well, is I got, I've got a couple myself. So. Everybody says that he's such a great interview, like that he's just a lot of fun to hang out with and he's very relaxed. I can see that. And I can see that. So it's like now the pressure's on that I don't want to screw it up. Like if the Ron Kittle interview sucks, it's my fault. You know how I feel about that? Like I, I'm worried about that. So like this is going to be something that weighs on me for the, the rest of the week until we get to talk to him. But I'm, I can't wait to talk. I mean, I've talked to him in person several times before. Right, you know, I've talked to him in person several times before, but I know that there was some sort of like I think because of the fact that I was, you know, talking about tying him up and keeping him in my basement forever, <laughs> that maybe Ron was like he could be crazy, so he might come into the interview a little nervous. So hopefully it goes well. Hopefully we can break the ice and get some get some good stuff out of Ron next week. Well, I will, I will, I will be here. I'm on your six, dude. I will be here. Uh, so set your subscriptions. Tell people to subscribe. Uh, Get whatever notifications and alerts from whatever podcast uh, app that you guys use. They'll all pretty much alert you uh, to when you have a new uh, new podcast. Definitely, White Sox fans, tell your friends about this because this is uh, you know this is a big deal, man. Going to be a good Ron one. Kittle. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Dave Marin has been working for the Chicago White Sox inside of their scoreboard as part of the scoreboard crew for 32 seasons since the mid-1980s. He's also written a book that we're going to get into, but he mainly does trivia. He's on Twitter, at SoxNerd, and he provides those interesting little trivia pieces that you find on the scoreboard when you go to White Sox games. David, how are you? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, we've hit the off season now, and the fun thing about the off season is you get to talk to people who were otherwise busy because they're involved in the very long 162 game schedule uh, of the regular season. I'm getting excited because now people are kind of coming out of the woodwork, like, "Yeah, I'll talk about the White Sox because nobody else will." Right. I opened up a Tribune the other day, and I actually found like a half page article still talking about the Cubs. And what a wonderful right. season they had. But God help you if there was something about the White Sox in there. So now the only place people can find it uh, is on like podcasts like this or going to White Sox Twitter where you're at. Uh, you are very active in there. Are you basically using, are you trying out stuff that you put on the scoreboard? Are you trying that out on Twitter or is it vice versa? Well, that, it's interesting that you talk about the offseason because right now uh, what I'm doing is, yeah, I'm kind of researching uh, my, my stats for next year. Uh, based on, you know, this year's performance. There's a lot of uh, tweets that I send out under the hashtag SoxNerdNugget. For instance, when uh, this stat may not end up on the scoreboard, is that uh, Jose Abreu's 265 average this year was the lowest to lead the White Sox since Ken Berry hit uh, 241 in 1967. So I'm kind of building a an army of statistical uh, nuggets that I can use for the um, – for the scoreboard next year. So, you know, I spend my off season uh, crewing that kind of information and tweeting it out and putting it in notebooks and thumb drives that I can bring with me to the park and share it 
next season. Well, I find what you do to be fascinating. So I'm going to ask you a lot of geeky questions, and you tell me if it's a stupid question or something you don't want to answer. But first off, okay. you, you now have been doing this for over three decades. And Correct. to me, either it's the greatest part-time job ever, or is this your full-time gig? Like, they give you dental and health and, and like, a, a full salary for being up there in the scoreboard? I'm a, I'm a seasonal employee. I'm a day-of-game employee, so I get paid by the game. Okay. Yes, it's the greatest <laughs> part-time <laughs> job in the of. You come up with all these different factoids. Is there ever a time Correct. where somebody from the White Sox sits there and says, I don't know, that makes us look really bad? I mean, that one you said about Abreu – that makes us look really bad. Like, did they ever sit yeah, there and say, that, like, ah, let's not give that stat out. That's just going to anger the people that are sitting there like, man, we stunk this year. Like, is that, did he ever no, get that? No, no. You know, they've never talked to me about that because I know not to put up uh, stats on the scoreboard that will make the team look bad. My challenge, and I love it, is in every at-bat at every game, I will find a stat that is positive or, or um, you know, beneficial to that situation for the White Sox for that at bat. So I'm I'm constantly when I'm constantly scouring his splits or you know his stats and looking for something positive to put up there. Whether it's how he does against this pitcher, how he's doing against uh, how he's doing in this month, uh, how he's doing with you know the first, second, or third time he's faced this pitcher. And I will say. This is the, the year that I've used the third time through the order the most, you know. But um, so that's my challenge. And if I can't find anything like that, I will I will um, go back to biographical information or that kind of um, uh, nuanced, geeky, statistical uh, White Sox history information, you know, uh, for example, when Kevin Smith hit a homer, I said he was like the first. Uh, he, you know, he, he took over third place among Pittsburgh products in um, in home runs or anything like that. You know, that's something different or uh, or something that is relevant to that situation in the game. So that's kind of how I do things. Uh, I stay away from the negative stats. Um, and I think the Sox pretty much know that, that I won't put anything up there or we won't put anything up there that will, that will embarrass them. Have you ever had a player or heard about a player saying that they were surprised by something that you put up like, hey, I didn't know that about myself? Anything ever get back to you? There's a story I like to tell. 1991, um, Carlton Fisk was on the team. Do you remember him? Oh, anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he... He was facing a Detroit Tigers pitcher in Detroit by the name of Mike Henneman. He was a great reliever for the, for the Tigers at the time. And this was back in the day before there was any kind of internet or anything. And all you had was like the records that you kept yourself. Well, I got out of Elias's annual book that Carlton Fitz loved to face Mike Henneman. Well, in 1991, the Sox opened the season with a long road trip. I think they went to New York maybe Boston and then Detroit before opening the park. So that first weekend, Detroit's in. So when the Sox were in Detroit, I, he got a hit off of that's Mike the first, Henneman. That's the, I, first, that's the first series, actually. It was Detroit because that was the yes. opening of the new ballpark, right? Correct. Because I, yes, I was at opening day. I think we gave up like 16 runs. It was, it was brutal. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it was 16 it was nothing. It was terrible. Yeah. So, but th I think this was either the second or third game of the series and Mike Henneman was in. And I put up a stat on the board, and God, I was waiting for this moment because I wanted Fisk to face Henneman, and I wanted to use this stat that I had 
that I had saved and updated, and it was this beautiful set, and that moment came for me. There it was. So I put it up there. Carlton is, you know, Fisk is hitting 667 with two homers or whatever. It was a great stat. So the next day, I'm all proud of myself. The next day, they look at me and they go, you can't put stuff like that up on the board. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's a great stat. It's positive. He goes, if Sparky Anderson, he, he manages by the seat of his pants. If he sees that stat, he's going to change what he does. He, he has no computer. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you know what I just did, man? Help manage the fame manager <laughs> and, and and of course i i didn't stop putting stats like that up okay so i am going to i just found this out today i am going to get to interview my childhood hero my favorite white Sox from the 80s ron kittle on this show yep. next week now you were up there at least for the you know the, the early years of ron kittle's career if i'm looking at how long you've been in there in that in that scoreboard right. Uh, you got any good Ron Kittle stats? You got any question you want me to ask him? Like, have you ever, you got something you'd want me to ask Kittle? Great guy. It'll be a great, it'll be a great interview. It'll be, it'll probably be the best interview you ever do. Um, he, he hit Burt Blylevin very well. And I think there was a st- he story he told me <clears throat> about, um, a booger on a baseball that, uh, Burt Blylevin once threw to him. Um, so I, that one might be worth exploring. And I think that he hit, he hit the last roof shot home run at Old Comiskey Park. <clears throat> and you might have him describe that night because that was one of the most brutally cold nights of baseball that there's ever been at that park. And he still was able to put one on the roof. I bet you he's really proud of, of that home run. Your best memory. I mean, what was the biggest game that you were at that you enjoyed the most sitting in the scoreboard? My favorite memories would be game two of the 2005 World Series is the most remarkable sporting event I've ever seen um, and I've ever been a part of. That was phenomenal. And um, I was really proud of the work that the whole crew did that night. And, of course, you got the Pesednik home run. Do you remember the stat that you put up before that? Do you, do you, do you like – that when big moments happen, do you remember something you might have put up there and been like, that's kind of funny or ironic? Did you actually have the stat that like he he had he'd only he had his most home runs ever against Lidge? Did you did you find that before he did it or or or, or what would you have up there? Thank, you know what? Thanks for asking that question because <clears throat> that moment to me was such a blur. And I remember when he hit that ball, putting my hands on my head and turning around and looking at someone and saying, We just witnessed the greatest baseball game in the history of the city of Chicago. It wasn't until years later that I figured out what I had up on the board. And it was when I was watching the replay of that home run on the DVD that I bought and I slowed it down and I could tell at the bottom what stat was up there when Pesednik hit the home run. And I'm proud to say that it was his lifetime average against Lidge at the time that he was at that, at that. So, that made me feel great. Now, there are other moments, like when Tommy hit his 500, that we had that there was no stat of mine up on the board. It was just his graphic because <clears throat> the way our style works is, I'm sure fans have seen it, but when guys come up to the plate, you know, we, we put their headshot, and then maybe after a pitch or two, we'll go into a stat. So Tommy probably hit that, you know, pitch uh, hit that home run on the first or second pitch where we didn't have a time to get stat up there. Or sometimes 
you know, like for the first pitch of the World Series or maybe for that at bat, they just want the graphic of the guy's picture up there just to kind of cement the moment without any graphics up there. So I do remember, but I do remember seeing that Pesednik, and I remember feeling so great about myself. Um, <clears throat> so that was a good moment. Now, I can tell you another story. Burley's perfect game, I, maybe the most nervous I've ever been at a, at a game. And it's the ninth inning, and Gabe Kapler is up. And I'm going through the list of stats that I've compiled for Gabe Kapler, and I'm just – I'm so – nervous i'm just like i just keep hitting the display button because i just i don't know it was just and you know the Sox give me the freedom to change stats at, at will as long as it's not you know during the pitch so the one i see in there and i just caught it at the core of my eye before i put it out there was that he had broken up a perfect game in the eighth inning or whatever and if i had put that stat up there i probably would have lost my job but <laughs> But uh, I remember seeing that. So I, there was one set, the Pasetnik homer that I was really proud of that I displayed, and then the one where Kapler's I was really proud of that I didn't display. So those are two that that really really stand out. That's awesome. That that is, that is awesome. Um, you know oh. what? I I I, I was going to ask you about it. Maybe we'll save it for the next time. But you did write a book about the Chicago Cubs, which I you know I there's no reason to get into that right now because I want to have you back. Because I really, I yeah. really enjoy this chat, and you know what? Next time, sure. if you want, you know, come on over to the bar, okay? Sit down. We'll, yeah. we'll sit here. We'll we'll do it. We'll do it live. We'll we'll hang sure. out, you know, because I want to become best friends with you so that one day maybe I can sneak <laughs> up into the scoreboard. That's that's really kind of my. I'd love, we'd love to have you up there. <laughs> oh God, we'd that'd be absolutely awesome. I would just love to do that someday. Just to even that'd even if only to just kind of take a look and and just see what it's like. I I was always enamored with. Oh, the old ballpark scoreboard. I don't think a lot of people ever went back there. Like the ramp that ran up and down the old ballpark scoreboard. When I was a kid, right. we go play back there when they were having a bad game or something like that. We'd be like teenagers right. running around back there and there was nobody there, but you could hear the guys in the scoreboard depending on yeah. where you were at. And I, I always thought yeah. that the scoreboard was just the cool, that old scoreboard was like the coolest thing in the world. Although the thing you're in now yeah. is like a, just a marvel of modern technology, but I, I always loved yeah. the old one. Yes, I did too, and very near and dear to that board because that's where I got my start in the business, as they say. David Marin, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, remember to check out David. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at SoxNerd. Thank you very much for coming on. All right, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool, all about the bounce in my step. Watch it on the news, what you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget. Used to keep it cool. Okay, so you guys want to start a podcast. Yeah. yeah. What we need to do is start from scratch. There's lots of podcasts now. There's six of them now. Yeah. 12 podcasts that I'm doing a week. I come down here into the bar, I drink all day long, and I do podcasts. My wife is like, you have a problem. I love your new and it's job, not the, Chris. it's not the drinking, it's the podcast. There's too many of them. Should I keep it light? Stay out of the fight. No one's gonna listen to me. If I write a song, preaching what is wrong, will they let me sing on TV? Should I keep it light? You're gonna eat lightning. You're gonna crap thunder. Is that right? You're gonna be a greasy <laughs> Italian tank. Way up, way up we go. Been up and down that road. Way up, way up, oh no. We gon' burn the whole house down. Watch me standing in line. You're only serving lies. You got something to hide. We gon' burn the 
Growing up on a podcast. Socks in the basement. Socks in the, basement. the EP podcast. 30 minutes of good in a world of dumb. We don't run the whole house down. I saw somebody bring up Dallas Keuchel. And I've given my thoughts a little bit on this show as him as a potential pitcher that you would add to the staff. And I just want to read the tweet that I read. And then I want to read what the response I had on Twitter. To oh, it. okay. Okay. Just okay. to kind of give you my feelings on Dallas Keuchel. Okay. Because this is a guy that people are debating, should we go out and get him in free agency? Well, he is going to be a top. He, he's one of the top. He's at the top of this free agent class in pitching. Right. So you're talking about a guy who's going to command, what, 15, 16 million a year more? He is. He's going he's gonna to command some money. I mean, you're basically going to be signing him for the money that you would get James Shields for. And, and but that's, for much longer term. Though. For much longer term is what you're going to end up doing. Okay. So, so here's, the, here's the tweet that I read that, that prompted his response. Okay. I could talk myself in the Dallas Keuchel being sneaky value and a guy that can keep doing this for a while or a guy who has like no margin for error and will explode horribly on whoever signs him. Uh, the guy, a guy named Nick put that out there. The response of the Broadcast Basement Podcast to the possibility of signing uh, Dallas Keuchel. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's a George Thurgood song. No, 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 no. Seriously, no, Keuchel. No. Okay. Well, that's succinct. I am horribly opposed. To Dallas Keuchel being a member of the Chicago White Sox. Okay. If this and team tell me and tell me tell me why. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up his stats here. Got it. And I learned a lot about Dallas Keuchel over the last couple of years. The way that I think that some people need to learn about baseball, because I think that as I come across fans and I talk with people, sometimes I understand that they are casual baseball fans or they love watching highlights and they get themselves whipped up and to say like what ESPN might say about a guy or the good things about a player or, you know, what an analyst says about a guy or, or something like that. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And I've been that way too. In fact, there was a, there was a point in time for a couple of years working midnights that I barely knew anything about anyone. There was a season of the White Sox where I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and, and it was, and it was, uh, it was Tyler Saladino. And I'm like, where did this guy come from? And he'd been there for, he'd been there for like the whole year. And I was just like, I just, sometimes you lose track of what's going on. And I was always a big baseball nut working midnights for a couple of years and killed that. And when I came back, one of the things I did a few years ago is I started a fantasy baseball league. And by doing that, it forced me to learn about players. It, it, it forced me to, uh, to, to basically, well, you really have to get under the hood. Yeah, you really do. You have to, and you have to say, how do I build a team and, and, and win at a team? Now, the funny thing is, Dallas Keuchel is near and dear to my heart in terms of my evaluation of him because my daughter is in this league. She always wanted to play fantasy sports with me. 
I mean, I've got I've got a bunch of grown adults in this league. Okay, it's a twelve person league. Right. But she wanted to play in the league. We had a guy drop out at the last minute, and I was like, "All right, sweetheart, I'll help you out." And my my father, you've heard Dad on the show before. His thing was, well, uh, I don't know much about fantasy baseball. I'm a big fantasy football guy, but I know baseball. Okay. So I'll help her, and I'll show her like how you add and drop players, and so I'll be a co-owner and I'll help her out. But there have been times where my daughter comes to me and she asks me a question. And it doesn't really affect me. I'm not playing her that week. And I'll take a look at her team. Dallas Keuchel is a guy, she's in like, it's a 40-man dynasty league. All right. So basically, you're keeping everybody, and you get to keep four guys over 30. Anybody under 30, you get to keep the next year. And you get to keep four guys over 30, and the rest go into like a free agent pool. Okay. So it, it, it runs very similar to like you get mid-season trades, you get people trading draft picks. You get you get off season deals. It's like a three hundred sixty five day a year league. These guys are really into it and very intense. Keuchel's been one of these guys that she drafted early on when she picked them up a few years ago, and was a focal point of her team. And now he's over thirty, and you could see a drop off in him. And she noticed it this year to the point where she barely used the guy. Let me tell you what Dallas Keuchel is. Dallas Keuchel in two thousand sixteen was nine and twelve with his. ERA at 4.55, and his whip was 1.29, right at that limit that I say for a guy to be in a starting pitcher. Not a great starting pitcher, just a starting pitcher. Just a guy. Like, I don't think you should be a starting pitcher if your whip's above 1.30. Your whip's above 1.30, you're more of a detriment to your team than you are a a positive to your team. We've talked about that. Yeah, of course. Okay. So looking at 20, I've got 2017, he has a great year. 14 and 5. 2.90 2.90 earn run average, a 1.12 whip. He looks like a stud. And then he comes out this year, and the whip goes to 1.31. He finishes with basically a 500 record at 12 and 11. His ERA is way up there. Well, not way up there, but his ERA is 3.74. Right. In his last few years, the, 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 the 2016 through 2017 season, 26 games and 23 games. He was injury prone. That's what I remember about Adele Escobar. Well, he did 33 and 29 in 2015 and 2014, 31 in 2013. But yeah, no, the, well, the, you're right. The last two, right, se- right. The last two seasons, he the last dip. two seasons. As he's gotten older, he's gotten more injured. You can see an injury trend with the amount of games that he actually goes out and pitches. Then what you can see is that when he gets to having a full season where you, and he gets 34. 34 games, he pitches 200 innings. All right, great. He pitches 200 innings. He's got he's got about uh, three strikeouts to every walk. And he's, like I said, but he's got the whip at over 1.31. But here's the real telling thing. And this is why I wouldn't go out and spend a lot of money on Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel lost the faith of not only my little girl, who stopped using him, <laughs> Because that's what matters here. No, I'm telling you, here's somebody, she's just a smart kid, straight-A student, and she wants to win. She didn't believe that he could go out and win games unless he was going up against easy competition. Keuchel isn't even the number two guy on his staff. No. Cole pitched the second game of that series in the the ALDS against the Indians. Cole pitched that. Keuchel's is dropped down. Look, my my daughter in fantasy baseball this year, after having the guy for a couple of years, said, you know what? He's really good against teams that are bad, and he's really iffy against teams that are good. And then you could see that the Astros are treating him like that as well. 
If we were playing a crappy team, sure, I th send Dallas Keuchel out there, but he's really the third starter. He's going to pitch about five innings in game three, and then we're getting him out of there. Look, I, you know, I keep coming back to the same thing, man. I, I've been, you know, I've been watching this team a long time. I just have a really hard time believing that at this point of the game, Reinsdorf is going to give Han the green light on such a signing like Dallas Keuchel. Reinsdorf has, I've said this before, he has always had a very hard time ponying up top dollar contracts for starting pitchers, particularly ones who are the wrong side of 30, which Dallas Keuchel now is. So I don't think, I don't think he'll go for it. I don't think that the Sox are think, going for it. I don't think Han is thinking, uh, number one, I don't think Han is thinking Dallas Keuchel. Okay. You know, even if he was, that's a tough sell to the man who's writing the checks, dude. No, I don't think that I see. That's the thing. I don't think Han's thinking it. I just, there's sometimes when I read stuff and I go, okay, well, there are people who are getting excited about names, but you have to look at the guy more than just like a name. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's what I'm more interested in. I mean, I get, well, here, before you get it started, I get that. I mean, I get sitting around in the off season and going, man, I'd love to have this guy on my team, man. I'd love to have that guy on my team. I get that. That's part of the fun about sports in general. We do it here with Manny Machado. I mean, we're sitting here just salivating over a middle infield that's got Manny Machado in it. I mean, we do that too. I right, get it. Right. But I mean, yes, at some point you've got to look at the stats and be like, wait a minute, you know, is this really... Is, is this really what we want? Uh, I'm in love with Manny Machado. Oh, God. I love him. Here we go. I love him. I got a Dodger shirt right now I'm wearing. You know? You've already got your White Sox Machado jersey made. No, I don't have that made yet, but I, I, I'm i rooting I'm rooting for him. You know? I I, I I get out there, and I just go, go Manny, and I'm just I'm just so excited. Look, I hope you... Listen. I'd I, love to send him something. Listen. Just like a... What, a box of, of chocolates? A would bouquet, you think he likes chocolates? A bouquet of flowers? I don't know. I just want to make sure he knows that he's loved and he has a home here in Chicago. Oh, boy. I just... I, that's all I want. Because yeah. I'm sure that you sending him, like, a candy gram is going to really... What's a candy gram? Is that where I get dressed up in a big giant box of chocolates and then I show up there? I don't know. I just pulled that name out and of I just And I just show up, like, in a big, like, heart-shaped box... And it's just me wearing nothing but the box. Well, if it's you, with edible chocolate. If that's what it is, he's definitely my he's, body. He's definitely not coming now. <laughs> Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere a podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.